0: You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.newhorizonworshipcenter.org. If you're turning with me, Psalms 1. It's where we're going to start. And today I want to talk to you about being under being under Are you under anything? Think about that for a minute as we get started. Are you under anything? Are you under... Maybe you're underappreciated. Maybe you're under attack. A lot of people, you go through times in life where you just feel like you're under attack. From an individual, maybe it's a boss or a spouse or an ex-spouse or... But sometimes you go through times in life where you maybe you feel like you're under attack. Maybe you're under some stress. Maybe you got some stress going on. Notice my father-in-law's here this week and he's got a lot more gray on him. I don't know if he's been under some stress or not. I noticed that gray goatee coming out over there. Love you, Mike. Welcome to church. <laughs> maybe you're under some stress. Huh? Maybe you're underpaid. A lot of people feel like they're underpaid. I heard about um, um Wendell Smith was Judah Smith's dad, and so he founded their the city church there in Washington and their church was growing and it had gotten pretty big and had a lot of staff and uh one day during the service or I think towards the end of worship somewhere in the service, he felt like he got a word from God and he said, "I feel like God's telling me that there's somebody here and you're not happy at work because." You're underappreciated, and you're underpaid. And so I want to pray for you that God would turn the heart of your boss. If that's you, please stand up. And one of the pastors on staff at his church stood up on the front row. He was his boss. (laughs) I wonder what that prayer sounded like. That's all the story you get to hear. They don't tell what the prayer was like. Pretty sure he wasn't expecting one of his employees to stand up when God gave him that word. Hey, maybe God gave him the word because he needed to do something about it, but. So maybe you feel like you're underpaid. Or maybe undervalued. Under pressure. There's all different kinds of things you could be under. Maybe you're under fire. Or maybe you're underground seems dark, and it seems like every time you start to dig your way out, life piles another shovel of dirt on your head. And you're underground. That's not a good place to be. You feel like you can't move, like you're trapped. And every time, like a body or a seed, they're both underground. The body's done, but the seed is in process. So you might be under today, you might be underground, but it could just be a process. I heard a story about the CEO of a very large company. Um, he had gotten old and his company was really successful and he was getting to the age where he needed to think about retirement. But he had really no family or anybody that he would be able to turn this company over to that could take over his job and keep the company going. You know, he had a few family members, but no one that was either educated enough or even wanted to do that for a living or that he could trust to do it. Um, And so he starts looking at his company and he comes up with this idea. And so he has a meeting with all of his young executives. He brings them all into the boardroom and he says, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm getting old. As you guys know, I'm thinking about retirement. And so, I've decided that I'm going to name one of you to be the CEO of this company, and the pre- you'll be the president of the whole corporation. And all the, the young executives are like, "What? What? Wow! Oh, this is all oh, this is great!" What? they start whispering back and forth. This is this true? Could it be? He said, "Yeah." Now, this is going to sound kind of strange, but I want each of you to come up here, and I've got a bag full of seeds. I want each one of you to take a seed out of this bag. One seed. Take that seed and plant it. And take care of it. Make sure nothing happens to the plant. Water it. Do whatever you think you need to do with that seed. And in exactly one year from today, I want to meet in this office and I'm going to name who's the new CEO. Oh, and bring your plant or whatever you grew with that seed. So they're all like, what? Is this real? Is this true? And they come up and they take their seeds and they go. And uh, this guy named Jim, he goes, he takes one of his seeds and he goes home and he tells his wife what happened. And she's like, what? That's crazy. So you could be the CEO of this multi-million dollar company? He said, yeah, I guess we better plant this seed. So they bought a big pot and they put some potting soil in it and some fertilizer in there. And they planted the seed and he watered it and watered it. And a week went by and nothing and every day he's watering it and he's checking it and looking and waiting on something to come up nothing comes up well then he goes to work and he's hearing his colleagues talk about hey did your plant come up yet oh yeah man mine's coming up nanny oh what about yours and jim didn't really have anything to say just kind of slipped out of the conversations well as the weeks went by nothing came up in his pot and they're all talking about how theirs are growing, and one of them's talking about how he's figured out what his was, and one of them was an azalea bush, and it's already starting to grow. It's probably going to have flowers before they go back to the meeting next year, and one of them's talking about he thinks his is a tree, and it's already five inches tall, and as the months go by, Jim keeps on watering his, and please, please, maybe it's just something good. It's just taking a while, and The whole year goes by, and now the whole office is talking about what awesome plants they have growing, except for old Jim. Nothing ever came up. So the night before that meeting, when the year was up, he said, I'm not going to go. I don't even think I'm going to go. And his wife said, you have to go. He's like, well, we're supposed to bring our plants, and look, I have an empty pot. She said, you have to go and take the pot and just say what happened. You've been faithful. You did what you were asked to do. Now you just have to take the pot and tell them what happened. I mean, he said, yeah, I guess you're right. And he went in, and when he got there, he saw two of the, the executives out there helping each other because their plants were so big they couldn't carry them, and they were sitting them on like one of those little dollies, rolling it onto the service elevator to get it up to the room, and he felt so embarrassed holding his little pot with nothing. Had a little bit of potting soil and some manure mixed in. It didn't even smell good and he's like you got to be kidding me. He walks into the conference room and they've all got these plants and bushes and some of them had flowers and all kind of stuff like and and he's sitting there like you got to be kidding and then they look over and several of them start laughing and pointing at his <laughs> look at Jim. He didn't even grow anything. Look at his empty pot. I wouldn't have even shown up if I was him. What an idiot. Oh my gosh and he sits it down and pushes it to the side and he's like oh gosh. Well, the CEO comes in, and he walks around, checking, every, looking at people's plants, and wow, that's really nice, and they're all showing off, oh, look at how big mine is, oh, look at that! I must have that green thumb, <laughs> they're all trying to get the job, he goes up to the front of the room, and he says, Jim, I noticed your pot has nothing in it, Jim said, yes, sir, and I watered it, and I, I, I fertilized it, and I did everything I could think to do, and I... He said, Jim, come to the front of the room. Everybody else have a seat. And so, tell him I'm busy. I'll call him back. So Jim comes to the front of the room with his empty pot, and they all sit down. They're like, what? Why?" Is- oh, he's getting fired. going to let him go before he picks the new CEO. And he called him up there, and he said, guys, listen to this. You've all grown some beautiful plants, but the seeds that I gave out last year, I boiled them before I gave them out. means they were dead so every one of you that has a plant you lied nothing grew so you went and got your own seed and grew your own plant because you wanted to be CEO Jim's the only honest man in the room because every seed I handed out last year was dead I boiled them I figured some of you guys were smart so you would know if it was a real seed And some of you could even tell by the seed what it was supposed to grow, so you probably went out and got the right kind of seed. But what you don't know is they were boiled. There was no life left in the seed. And so Jim was named the the CEO of the company, and he was all happy, but you reap what you sow. And sometimes it doesn't look good when you're under... When you're underground or sometimes things aren't coming up like you thought they should and sometimes they don't look like they, like they should. I'm here today to tell you it's okay. When you sow honesty, you reap trust. Growth and comfort don't mix. I hate to say it. But if you want to live a good, comfortable life, then you're not going to see much growth. Growth and comfort, they're not friends. You can find that out at the gym. It ain't comfortable to grow, I'll tell you that. Well, there are ways. It is comfortable to grow. Well, if you want it, let me rephrase that. If you want to grow a muscle, there are other things that are a little comfortable to grow, but you want to grow a muscle. Say, you want to get a bigger bicep. When you go in the gym, it's not comfortable. It's going to take a bunch of curls and rep after rep after rep. And guess what? Just when it starts to get easy, you got to up your weight if you want to keep growing. Otherwise, you're going to stay the same or get smaller. Well, that causes pain. That causes soreness. You got, yeah, that's what it takes to grow. But... Check this out. What if you go into the gym? All right, so you're, you're in the right place. You're where you need to be because you want to grow. You want your biceps to get bigger. Now you have to have pain and discomfort. So what if you walk into the gym and you get ready and you turn on your playlist and you've drank plenty of caffeine, so you've got plenty of energy and you're in there ready for your workout, you're going to get big biceps. And then instead of picking up the weights and curling them, what if you walk in there and you just start going, punching yourself in the biceps. <clears throat> you will feel pain. You'll be sore the next day. Same kind of sore, same kind of pain and you were in the right spot and you can do it for the same amount of time that you were going to do curls but you won't see any growth. It's just pain for nothing. I don't want to live my life Showing up to church or get myself in the right spot, but then I'm doing things the wrong way, so I feel the pain, but I never see growth. We can do that as Christians. We can show up to church, and we can be in the right spot. We made it to the gym, and then, but then because we're not willing to apply it in the right way or to be doers of the Word or let that seed grow, you can, we can word it a lot of different ways. But we never see growth. I want to see growth. I want to see change. You know, a good church, a good community of believers will always be encouraging you to change, to get better, to grow. Come on, grow, grow. The Word, as we read the Word and as the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit will take you by the hand and lead you and guide you and, And constantly, you're never encouraged to just stay where you're at. You should always be moving forward, moving forward, getting closer, drawing closer to God, growing. I want growth. So, you're under. We're probably all under in some area of our life, under something. We're all under. My question for you is: Are you planted or buried? It's a big difference. You can be planted or buried, and that's in your mind. I choose to be planted. I'm not done. It's not over. I'm not dead. I'm not even if I'm under. It feels like there's dirt on my head and I can't see anything. I'm just planted. Because there's life in here. Let's look at Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed, blessed, that's happy, prosperous. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law. That word law is a Hebrew word. Um, It was translated law. It means uh, teaching or instructions. But his delight is in the instruction or the teaching of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. Think about. Chew on. Dwell on. You stay there. Meditate day and night. So blessed is the man. Happy and prosperous is the man That meditates and chews on and digest the word, the law, the instruction, the teaching of God day and night, continually. Verse 3 says, and he shall be like a tree. I want to be like a tree. Strong and powerful. Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper there will be purpose from his pain the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away therefore the ungodly shall not stand in in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish what does that mean? If you do it his way or the right way, you see growth in life. If not, then you're choosing death. I heard about this guy that this city boy that really liked chicken. But he had heard all these bad things about all the hormones and stuff that they were putting in the chicken at the store. And so he got this great idea that he was going to move out and start this giant chicken farm. And he would raise fresh chickens and that he wasn't going to put any hormones or anything in. So he bought the farm and got ready. And like I said, he was from the city and didn't really know much what he was doing. just came out and tried to figure it out and thought he'd get started. And he went to a local hatchery and he bought 1,000 chicks To start out with. About two weeks later, he came back to the hatchery and bought 500 more chicks. Two weeks after that, shows back up and buys 500 more. And the guy was like, my goodness. Your chicken farm must be going pretty good. This makes 2,000 chicks you've bought. Like in the last few weeks. Must be going really good. And the guy was like, well, no, it's actually going really bad. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong if I'm planting them too close together or maybe upside down or what. But not going good at all. He said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But none of them have come up. If you only see death and no growth... Maybe you're doing something wrong. Take a look at your life. What we just read in in verse 2 that his delight is in the law of the Lord. and You meditate on it day and night. And then in verse 3, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth much fruit, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So I want to be like a tree. Well, what do we have to do? It says it right there. You must be planted. It said he was planted. He will be like a tree planted. you got to be planted. There's no trees that are growing in little flower pods. If they are, it's a wimpy little tree. Why? Because it can't grow roots. And it said it was planted close to the river or to the source. Right out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. It was planted close to the source, close to the river. Why did the psalmist include that? If you're planted close to the river, you don't depend on rain. Doesn't matter if there's a drought. A tree that's planted close to the river, the roots run down and can get water out of the river. So you're not dependent upon the seasons. You you don't depend on rain. Why? Because you're planted close to the source. You're close to the river. He that meditates day and night on the law of the Lord, on God, on His instructions and on His teaching, that's the source. So by planting yourself close, then the circumstances don't matter. You're not looking for rain. You're not looking for anything else. You don't depend on the government, a job, a spouse, on, on something else to be your supply. Because you're close to the source. So you're not looking to something else. You don't have to have rain from somewhere else. You don't even need the rain. And you'll still see growth. Whether it rains or not. And then that second part where it says, His leaves won't wither. At first, I read that and I was like, oh, That's kind of weird. I mean, His leaves won't wither. I mean, every tree, we're about to hit fall here pretty soon, and we're going to see all the leaves are going to change colors, then they're going to wither, and then they're going to fall off. Probably, unless it just stays summer, which hopefully it will. I'm fine with that. But I thought that was weird that he put his leaves won't wither. In winter, all the leaves turn brown and they fall off and there's no fruit. Why? If you do a little research and study in like on an oak tree or on different trees, what happens when those leaves start turning colors and then withering and fall off and die and the tree doesn't produce fruit all winter? The tree is starting to save nutrients On the inside, so that it can survive the winter. So, as the tree starts to hold all the nutrients in, knowing winter's coming, I'm gonna need this to survive, it doesn't feed life out to the leaves. So they die and get brittle and they fall off. Then, in the spring, when the tree feels safe, it'll grow new leaves and they'll come back because it made it through the winter and everything's okay. So, but it gets rid of the leaves. In your life, if you're planted close to the source, then you don't have to feel like, oh, you got to save up. I got to hold this in because I can't afford to put anything out here. I can't afford to give anything. I can't afford to be generous. I can't produce fruit right now because I don't know if I'm going to have enough left and you know, we're supposed to be, as Christians, producing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, faith, temperance, and any ones I forgot. You, we're supposed to be producing that stuff. But we come through seasons in our life where we're like, uh-oh, there's a hard time coming. I better brace myself. I'm about to go through a divorce. I'm get fired from my job. I'm getting whatever it is, whatever storm we're about to hit. And so we stop putting out fruit. We stop putting out our leaves and everything else because I need to keep all this in here for me. But what he's saying is if you're planted close enough to the source, then you don't have to go through seasons where you've got nothing to give. You can still put out green leaves and fresh fruit, even in a hard time, even in a drought, even in winter. That's what we can look like. So are you a a tree-in-a-pot Christian? A lot of Christians are a a tree-in-a-pot. Not too big, not too strong. Look okay, but by being in a pot, it's easy to just uproot and run away away somewhere else. If you get offended a little bit, that's okay. because You're going to get offended because your roots aren't very deep and you're not that mature. You're a little pot, so it's a good thing you're mobile because everybody's going to offend you. At a family and at your job and at church and at everywhere you're gonna run around. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be a tree pot Christian. Move around from place to place to place. No, I want to get planted so I can grow tall and strong. Can't get tall in a pot. We all want the tree. Everybody wants the tree. I want my life to be strong and tall and like an like a oak tree. Of course, we all want that. We want power. We want success. We want growth. Yes, please, sign me up. I'll take two. But guess what I thought about as I was studying this? Trees are not planted, God never planted a tree. You plant a seed. that tree, that life is inside of that seed, but it gets planted as a seed, not a tree. God, give me the tree. He hands you an acorn. God, give me the tree. Acorn. What? God, give. It's in the seed. What am I going to do with that? Planet well, then what? Wait I don't like waiting. I can't even hardly sit at the red light up there by by Walmart. the thing takes so long. I'm thinking about changing banks just so I don't have to sit in that red light. like We don't like waiting, but seeds are planted. Some people won't stay in the same place, the same relationship, the same job, the same church long enough to grow. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Especially when you've been there for a while, right when you're about to grow, and it gets uncomfortable. Right before growth, it hurts. You want to see some growth and push a little bit harder, and it's going to hurt a little more, but then that's when you're going to see the growth. It's easy to run away. Today, I'm sowing seed. We see in Scripture that when the Word of God goes out, it's seed. It's like a farmer sowing seed, Jesus said. You're throwing out the Word. You're throwing out the seed. If I go get a bag full of corn, and it's good seed, and I get a shovel and a hoe and put on some overalls, and I walk around this this concrete floor right here, chopping at the concrete and throwing out my corn seeds, you know how much is going to grow in here? None. Hope not. If it does, then we need to check our cleaning crews. It shouldn't grow on concrete. Like, the seed's good. How about the ground? we got to stay long enough to grow. Look at Mark 4.1. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. It's a familiar parable mark 4 1 jesus is out there talking the crowds show up and there's so many of them they're pressing on him and he gets like backed up to a lake with the disciples and he's like man people are just pressing in to try to hear what he's saying they can't hear him they don't have any microphones and so he gets in a boat and they push the boat out a little bit and he uses the boat like a stage like a platform and his voice can bounce off the water and then all the people can hear what he's saying so jesus gets in the boat and Jesus says this, Listen, what do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. And as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. And some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. And as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds And nothing came of it. Some fell on good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest exceeding his wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? When they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, along with the twelve, asked him about the stories. This happened multiple times with Jesus and the disciples. Jesus would tell these big stories to the crowd. When Jesus preached, he always just told stories, parables, a story with a meaning. He talked about the kingdom. and But then when they'd get off by themselves, the disciples would be like, Hey, what were you talking about? What'd that mean? Like, like, what was that? I was thinking about that. You know all the times that Jesus preached to the crowds and he preached to everybody? He preached about the kingdom of God. He never preached about miracles. He just did them. You know, he only ever mentioned being born again one time, and that was to one man at night. He preached about the kingdom. That's another message. So the twelve asked him, Jesus, what were you talking about? And he told them, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories creating readiness, nudging them toward receptive insight. These are people whose eyes are open but don't see a thing, whose ears are open but don't understand a word, who avoid making an about face and getting forgiven. He continued, do you see how the story works? All of my stories work this way. The farmer plants the word... And some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches away what has been planted in them. The seed that was planted in them. And some are like the seed that lands on the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. Yeah, woo! But there's such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. We're looking at four different kinds of soil. That was the first two. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the, king, the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes out of it. Here's the fourth one. But the seed planted in good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. The seed is the same On all four, the farmer was throwing out the same seed. The seed is the same. It's the soil that makes the difference. Well, I come to church and I get nothing. I come to church and nothing changes. It's the same seed that's going out. Check the soil. This is how God's kingdom works. I mean, we want it to be electronic and instant. And now, and it's more agricultural. He said, no, it's like a seed. We want instant connection now. You're the soil. Jesus gives us four types of soil. That first one we just looked at is hard or calloused. The callous soil, the hard soil. Heart, the hard person that's been through a lot or been hurt or been just skeptical. Heart, And can I just say, these are the hardest ones to preach to. There's a couple of you in here right now, and you are callous. I can see it all over your face, and I'm not making eye contact with anybody on purpose. (laughs) I'm scanning to and fro. I'm going to look down the tunnel right now. But you are the hardest person to preach to. You don't crack a smile or you're just calloused. That's that first group he was talking to. Word goes out, the seed goes out, it could be a good story, it could be a word straight from heaven, a fresh word that could affect your life and bring growth, but you're so calloused and hard, you just ping the seed bounces right off you. Right? Second one is what? The shallow ones. The ones that fell on the rocks. It said they had the shallow soil. Y'all are fun to preach to. Woohoo! You're happy. You're excited. You're shallow, but you're pumped, right? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. You receive the word, and ping, it shoots up a plant. Look at that. I say hallay, and you scream Luya. That's the shallow people. You're pumped. But as soon as you walk out and life hits and a bad circumstance happens, ah, <laughs> you die. But y'all are fun to preach to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the second one. So it's great, but how it worded it there in the Message Bible is when the emotion wears off and life hits, you fall apart, basically. When you're in a church service and you're feeling the emotion of the worship or the Word, you're, you're pumped and you're happy and you're producing fruit for God. But when you get out in the world and something happens and that emotion wears off, you're just like, nah. Oh, I'm... Uh, You lose it. You fall apart. Number three. I don't think there are any of these in here, but I'm going to hit it because Jesus did, so it was important. All right. That's the worriers. The one that fell on the ground with the weeds. The (laughs) worriers. This one's pretty sad because when I thought about it as I was studying it, they are good ground. There was good ground there. It was obviously fertile soil because it was growing the weeds. It was good ground. It wasn't too shallow. It wasn't too hard for stuff to grow there. It's good ground. But worry was there. And you know, last week we talked about resetting your mind, the resetting of your mind and going and thinking on good things, and choosing to focus and to think, to dwell on the beautiful, not the ugly, the good, not the evil, all resetting your mind every day to focus on God, to draw near to God, all these things, instead of worry. It is good, good ground. But instead of resetting their brain, they let worry kill the life. Worry chokes out the seed. That seed that God planted, His Word is, is choked out. And then number four, good ground. Now this is all of you. Probably we can find ourselves in all four different spots at different times. I've seen myself in all four of them at different times in life for different things I'm going through. Or we all want to work toward. We all want to be for all the time. But we can probably relate to some of the others. I don't know where you are today. How do you know? Growth produces fruit. The place of death and the place of destiny. They look the same for a season. When it's still in seed form, death and destiny look the same. Destiny. I don't know why I had the trouble saying that word. Destiny. Death and destiny. They look the same for a season. And it's the same process to de- to bury a dead body as it is to plant a seed. Same process. Dig a hole, put it in, cover it up. That's an encouraging word, huh? (laughs) Let me ask you a question Is the thing that God spoke to you buried or planted? Did you know I can plant a coin and it's just buried? I can take a quarter and go plant it outside and nothing's going to grow. It's a buried quarter. Don't stay buried until somebody digs it up or it'll just stay buried. But I can plant a seed and it'll produce. What's the difference? What's inside? There's no life inside the quarter. There's life inside the seed. You have life inside of you. You're a Christian. You're saved. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. We talked about last week with the glove illustration that the Holy Spirit comes in you. You're created in His image. But when He's there inside of you, you have life inside of you. So it doesn't matter if you get buried. It don't matter if somebody else digs a hole with intentions of killing you and throws you in it and covers you up with dirt, you got life in you, so you're going to grow a tree. You make sure you're close to the source. It doesn't matter how much dirt gets thrown on you. You're close to the river. You're going to grow into a tree. You're not dead. You don't have to lay down and die. Look at this. Is this dead or alive? This one. What about this? Nope, it's dead too. It just doesn't know it yet. You have to be connected. I cut this off right before church so it wouldn't wither. It looks alive it's got fresh leaves on it, but you and me both know that it's a matter of time before those leaves fall off because it's no longer connected to the life source. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And while I'm preaching through this, it sounds kind of cool. Like I feel like I'm hunting. <laughs> Let me get rid of that. <laughs> think of a lot of ways I could go with that. (laughs) It's dead too. It just doesn't know it yet. Well, we're called to be connected. We're called to have a community of people. We're called to be in relationship with each other. We're called to be connected to a church, to a body, to Him. For our life source. You only last so long cut off. You weren't created to be a loner. There's life in the seed. John said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the dirt or the world. Ah, you see what I did there? (laughs) He that's in the world. There's life in me. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We want God to change our situations in a moment. We'll come in here and pray in church. God, fix my situation. God, this is what I'm dealing with. Change it. Give me a miracle. Fix it in a moment. And that's even a fun one to preach. Right now, in this very moment, God's going to do something. Right? It's a good one. If people get excited and the shallow people are jumping. (laughs) Because we want God to do something in a moment. Right? I do. We all want to see that. We want something done in a moment. But usually what happens is, everything doesn't change in a moment. But because of that moment, everything can change. The seed gets planted. So everything doesn't change in the moment, but because of the moment, everything can change. If we don't dig up the seed, if we water it, if we let it grow if we wait and don't just uproot it and run somewhere else because everything didn't change in that moment. Let it grow. Look at Psalm 92, and I'm going to wrap it up. Psalm 92, 12. You got to be connected. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted, planted where? In the house of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of our God. So what do we do? Get planted, get connected. Let some roots grow. Don't run when something's hard. Work it out. Get involved. Get in relationship. Man, that's not that fun. What do you do when you're under? Stay. Wait. Remember they that wait upon the Lord. That famous verse that that we love, they that wait upon the Lord. Does anybody in here like waiting? I don't. You like sitting in a waiting room waiting to hear the news or maybe somebody you loves having a baby and you're just sitting in a waiting room waiting. Anybody like that? No. Not very fun. Waiting at a red light? No. Waiting on the world to change? Waiting. No. Good things come to those who wait. I hate that saying that says, hurry up and wait. How you wait determines how and if you grow. How you wait. I'm underground. It can be death or life. It's usually determined in your brain, right here, your perspective. Is it over? Are you dead? Are you done? Is it finished? Is it, or are you a seed that's waiting on your time to break the surface? It's in your mind. That verse Isaiah um, Isaiah 40 we looked at this a couple weeks ago so we won't spend much time on it but it says God doesn't come and go, God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. How do you run? How do you fly? How do you walk and not grow weary? Isaiah said, you wait. Well, that makes no sense. You fly, you run, you walk, but you wait. To me, waiting is doing nothing. The day that wait, and that word "wait," it's a it's a Hebrew word. It was translated "wait," but it means to hope in, to be gathered, gathered together, gathered to look for, or to wait. It means gather, wait, look, hope. That's church. We gather together. We're looking for God. We're waiting for him to show up. We're waiting for him to deposit a seed of life into us. We're waiting and we're hoping. We're hoping Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's the hope that that thing's going to grow and there's going to be crops and produce fruit. And so that's what church is. We gather together and that's what you could say we're waiting. That word wait. We gather. We wait. We look. We hope. We're connected. I was gonna read you the story um, in Samuel, but I'm not going to because it's it's been long and I'm gonna wrap it up. But in Samuel, when David, David was anointed to be king, and he wasn't the king yet, he was having to wait. And he was better than Saul, and God had already said he was king, he already had the word, he had that seed that I'm going to be the king. He was anointed by the prophet, but he was having to wait. And then Saul decides he's going to kill him. So not only is he having to wait, now he's got to run and hide. And if you go look it up, I encourage you to go read it. I was going to read it this morning, but look it up and read it this week. When he goes to run and hide, it tells us that he goes and hides in a cave. And it said that all of his brothers and his dad went with him. They went and hid in the cave too. And then when he went and hid in the cave... 400 men came and hid in the cave with him they showed up and it was all of it said everybody that owed money and everybody that was wanted by the law and everybody that was like these dudes were broke busted and disgusted go read it i mean these guys they were a bunch of losers They were scared, running, like it was all the cowards, all the people that owed money, everybody that was wanted. They they all ran and just like congregated to David while he was waiting. Now, I don't know if any of y'all like to play hide and seek, but the worst thing in the world when you're playing hide and seek is when a whole bunch of people come hide with you. Like, David's trying to hide from Saul, and he's like, 400 people plus my dad and my brothers. I'm bumping 500 people. That's going to be hard to hide. I mean, how hard is it to find 500 people? Not that hard. David could have been real frustrated, right? But David, our type of Christ, David was real good at encouraging people. And David knew how to wait. And if you fast forward a little bit, the other part of the story I was going to read you is how those 400 men became the most powerful army that Israel's ever known. And you can fast forward on over to 2 Samuel where it's given the list of David's mighty men, and we have talked about them some a couple weeks ago on the Avengers table. But they were, these were like superheroes. I mean, one of them killed 300 men with a spear. Another one named Benaiah, he was just walking along and a lion came out, looked at him the wrong way, and he turns and takes off running, chased the lion on a snow day into a pit, jumped in the pit, killed the lion, and crawled back out of the pit. And David's like, hmm, I'm going to hire him. He, he became the chief of David's bodyguard. Pretty sweet thing to put on your resume. All right, I need a new bodyguard. What, what's on your resume? Well, I worked as a mall cop for four years. Okay, great. What about you? I chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed him. Uh, I'll take you. I mean, point is, David had some bad boys. These dudes were, they killed thousands of Philistines. But these are the same dudes that were broke, busted, and disgusted that ran to hide in the cave with David. They were hiding in the cave underground waiting gathered to the king connected waiting sounds like church they were waiting they gathered to the king they learned how to wait and David encouraged change he always encouraged change Nope. Wait. Don't kill Saul. Touch not the Lord's anointed. That's church. Church should encourage you to change, to grow. I know it's not comfortable. But the place of death and the place of destiny look the same for a season. It's preparing you for greatness. Don't quit. Don't die. Don't get out. Something is being developed. Stop running. Get planted. I know it looks like death, but he's working. I dare you to stay. I dare you to commit. I dare no, I challenge you. plant your feet and for the first time in your life get strong grow tall get close to the source you're a tree there's a seed but it's up to you whether it'll become a tree or not let's pray Hey, Dad, we hear you. We want to be good ground. And we want to bring forth a harvest. We want to make a difference in the kingdom. And we want to have peace, no matter what the circumstances look like. God, thank you for making a place for us in your family. Thank you for giving us a place that we can connect and that we can feel at home and that we can feel your love and we can receive your word. God, continue to speak to our hearts and our minds, not just in here on service, but as we meditate on your word and as we chew on it and digest it. As we reset our minds to stay close to the source. Remind us. It's easy to forget and fall back into old patterns. It's easy to run. God, give us the strength to stay. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.